we see that even the Lord Jesus knows what it means to be a sheep led to the slaughter. Therefore, it's no wonder if his followers should taste some of the same. If they did it to the master, they'll do it to the servant. And I'd like if you would uh, join me as we read verse number 36. Verse 36, Romans 8 and 36. All set, let's read together please. As it is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would teach our hearts the truth behind these words and encourage us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to become greater Christians and more able and willing to live for you in a world that's increasingly getting dark. Help us to let our light shine. Thank you for everyone tonight and all those that have joined us online. And please have thine own way in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as you know, sheep have been around a long time. Does anyone know how long? What's your guess? Don't say millions of years. I'll give you a hint the Garden of Eden. And it was um, uh, Adam who uh, was involved with naming them sheep. Interesting name, sheep. Well, um, they're domestic livestock and they're raised on farms around the world today, but at one point uh, they were used extensively in uh, sacrifice, religious sacrifice. Now, for example, the Jews used to sacrifice thousands, untold thousands and thousands of sheep according to God's commandments in the Old Testament. But in 70 AD, the Roman government came in and they destroyed the Jewish temple. And with it, the animal sacrifices officially ceased. But there are other religious groups. I did a little study. There are other religious groups today that still sacrifice animals including sheep. However, sheep today are pretty much only used for their meat and their wool and their milk as well. Apparently, uh, sheep milk is in high demand. And also, sometimes they're used as a form of money to barter. I'll give you three sheep for two goats or something like that. Now, one thing that is very common about sheep, and this is from everything I've read, uh, is that they make very friendly pets. You know, I'd be tempted to own a sheep. It uh, just seems like a, a nice little furry, woolly friend to have around the house. But when we read verses like Romans 8.36 that says, uh, sheep to the slaughter, it kind of makes us feel sorry for these four-legged little friends. But what exactly was the Apostle Paul talking about here? Was he trying to discourage us? Well, first, Paul was actually quoting from a verse in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 44 and verse 22. And in that psalm, Psalm 44, the psalmist was recounting all of the wonderful things God had done for Israel. And then the psalmist sort of changes note 
and says, but thou hast cast us off. And then he expresses his sorrow for God casting off Israel. And then he says there, uh, it's as if we're all sheep going to be slaughtered. And so he expresses his sorrow in Psalm 44. However, historically, to set the record straight, it was Israel that first cast off God. And they did that for a long time, so finally God had to cast them off. By the way, God is not finished with Israel. Can I just say that? He has put Israel on the back burner, but one day, very soon now, Israel is going to be on the front burner again. It will be the plan of God. Right now, the church is the plan of God, but Israel has not been cast off. God hath not put away completely his people. So anyhow, back to this here, the idea of sheep to the slaughter lends the idea that um, uh, the defenseless sheep is sort of quiet and sort of on its way to its demise, to its doom, without protesting, without fighting uh, for its life. And it just kind of goes along with it. Um, very interesting. In Romans 8, verse 36, uh, Paul was saying here that God's people are something like sheep in the early days of persecution. I think we're all well aware of this, aren't we? That uh, Christians were persecuted in that uh, first century time. They were led away to their death. It was common. And some were thrown to the lions, you know that. Some were crucified. Some were dragged to death. Some were bound to stakes and covered with tar and then lit a fire to provide light for the night games for Nero. Some were boiled to death. Some were sewn into animal skins and eaten by dogs. Some were starved to death. Some were actually ground to death in a, using a big millstone. And then others were killed in other ways, but... It was common in that first century, the persecution. In fact, for the first almost 300 years, Christians were considered an enemy of the state because they would not recognize the Caesar, the Roman Caesar, as a god. They would not throw a little incense on the fire, an offering to Caesar. They wouldn't do that. They recognized only the true God, and so that made them enemies of the state. Um, but you know, this sort of thing, the world persecuting believers, this is not something new. The world and Satan have always persecuted God's people. It's always been. Cain, in the book of Genesis, rose up and killed his brother Abel. And the Bible makes it very clear why he did it. It's because Abel's works were righteous and Cain's were not. And so Cain rose up against him. The Old Testament prophets were just about all murdered in the same way. In the book of Hebrews, it describes it. I'll read it for you. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. 
they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. As we read the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, I suppose, together, we're finding that in the coming tribulation, the seven years tribulation, which has not started yet, the Christians during the tribulation will be hunted down. Of course, the Antichrist will require everyone to be marked with a specific mark that will show allegiance to the Antichrist. And the mark has to be a public thing in the forehead or in the back of the, the hand there. No one could buy or sell without the mark. And so that day hasn't happened yet. It's coming. But the Christians in the tribulation will not take the mark. And of course, they will be hunted down, tortured, and put to death. Something like, um, I think about 15 years ago. I could be off by a year or two, but around 15 years ago, I spoke to a Christian couple, very sincere, sweet Christian couple, and they believed that the tribulation had already started. They believed that they were all, we were, as a world, we were already a year or two into the tribulation. And that was 15 years ago. So I wonder if their theology has changed since then. But they weren't alone. A lot of people have had that belief that somehow that the tribulation is now. It's not yet not something yet to come. It's, it's happening right now. And some people have that belief. And that can cause a lot of sorrow. But the tribulation hasn't happened yet. It hasn't started yet. Maybe it'll start tomorrow. We don't know. But it hasn't started yet. I'd like you to turn back to Acts chapter 8. And I'd like you to see something. It's quite interesting. The, um, the expression, sheep to the slaughter, was actually used by the Holy Spirit to help get a man saved. It's amazing what God can use to bring a man or a woman to salvation. And the reading of a certain scripture that talked about sheep to the slaughter is what God used to help get a man saved. Now in Acts chapter 8, we have uh, verse 32, and here the Ethiopian eunuch was returning home to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. He was in his chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And that's when Philip the evangelist caught up to him. And of course, the Ethiopian was reading uh, this portion in Isaiah, and it talked about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And so look at it here. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And we'll just jump down to verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And so, it's interesting that that phrase, 
was applied to the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit had this man from Ethiopia reading Isaiah, the prophet, at that very scripture, that Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And so Philip started right there and explained to him that this was talking about Jesus, our Savior, our sin-bearer. Interesting, isn't it, how the Holy Spirit is able to put things together, just absolute miraculous. Now, while we're talking about the Lord Jesus and about his offering on the cross, remember also back in the Old Testament in Genesis when God called upon Abraham to offer his son Isaac? Do you remember that? And so in obedience, Abraham took Isaac and they went to Mount Moriah and we're told that that place where he went ended up being the place where Solomon built his temple. So, just very interesting how God does these things, but Abraham raised his arm with a knife in it, ready to sacrifice his son in obedience to the Lord, and God stopped him and said, I just wanted to see if you would obey me. And there was a noise behind him. He turned and there was a male sheep caught with its horns caught in the thicket. And how that ever happened, we may never know, but it got in there and got its horns caught. And so uh, Abraham went and took that sheep and offered that sheep there on the altar, spared his son. But the whole thing was a picture of how one day God the Father would sacrifice his son for our sins, for your sin and mine. And so there he is, pictured like a sheep to the slaughter. So we see that even the Lord Jesus knows what it means to be a sheep led to the slaughter. Therefore, it's no wonder if his followers should taste some of the same. If they did it to the master, they'll do it to the servants. The first century was a very difficult time for Christians. And I guess, as the saying goes, you had to be there. We can talk about it. We can read the Scriptures. But we, we don't really fully appreciate and comprehend and understand it unless we lived there. But from what we understand, it was, uh, it was a dark time and it was very difficult to, uh, to live openly for Jesus. Um, but you know something? Compared to the untold millions of Christians that have been hunted down, persecuted, tortured, slaughtered, put to death, murdered, compared to all of them, we seem to have it pretty good here in Surrey, B.C., don't you think? Yeah, it's not so bad, eh? compared to what others have gone through and also in the coming tribulation, what Christians will have to go through in the tribulation. So compared to all that, you, uh, you stack up your affliction, your persecution against what others have gone through. I have in my office on my uh, shelves, I have a book uh, called Tortured for Christ. The story of Richard Wormbrand and how he grew up in Romania and he was a bit of a worldly guy and a playboy and all that, but he got saved. 
And this was during the communist rule of Romania. And how God called him to be a pastor of a church there in Romania. And Christianity was an outlawed religion. And he was arrested numerous times. He spent a total of, I think it was 12 or 14 years in prison. And he endured incredible torture. How they would beat him and try and wear him down mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They did everything they could. But the Lord upholded him, kept him strong. And then God did a miracle and got him out of there, brought him over to North America. And he started a worldwide ministry in trying to help Christians uh, behind um, the Iron Curtain and Christians that, have been, that are being persecuted. But we compare lives like that with our lives here today. And what kind of uh, persecution? I mean, are we being led to the slaughter? Are, we're sheep, that's for sure. If we're saved, we're God's sheep. But where is this being led to the, the slaughter? Well, I'm not sure. Our dear sister Roman, who's a missionary now over in Ethiopia, and by the way, please pray for her daily. She relates to us that shortly after she got there, one of the Christian men named Danny was serving the Lord. And you know, Ethiopia is a very volatile country right now. Whoa! It is in the throes of uh, internal struggle, mayhem, rebellion. Uh, unemployment has skyrocketed. There's starvation. There's all kinds of horrible things happening to that poor country. Danny was arrested and taken and beaten. And then finally they released him. So I don't know any more of the story than that. I've been trying to get a word through to, uh, to Roman and try and find out uh, if there's any update on Danny. But I've been praying for Danny. Maybe some of you have as well when we heard about this story. And that sounds a little more to me like sheep to the slaughter. In our staff meeting yesterday morning, Pastor Silver told us about the president of the Bible college that he attended in the, the Philippines. And this happened, this incident happened after he had graduated. Is that correct, Pastor Silver? This is after you had finished with the college? This was before you went? Okay, it was. I, know he, I knew he wasn't there when it happened, but I thought it was after, so it was before you went. All right. And there was a, a man who... Uh, unsaved man who was very disgruntled and upset and he came and sat in on one of the Bible college chapels. And while the president of the college was up and speaking, this man suddenly got to his feet and walked up, pulled out a gun and shot the president who fell down. The man then went further up to the pulpit and shot him twice more and killed him and then took off. He was caught but the president died. That, to me, sounds like sheep to the slaughter. So you compare these things with what's happening in our lives today. And it seems like there's not much slaughter going on. Romans 8.36 talks about Christians being like sheep to the slaughter. And we have to understand that it was in the context of the first century, but 
Did Paul tell us this to discourage us? And the answer is no, absolutely not. In fact, it's the exact opposite. What Paul is doing here is he's trying to encourage us. And the point he's making is that no matter what happens to us Christian sheep, we are still more than conquerors. So let's look again at Romans chapter 8. Let's turn there. And we'll look at the, uh, the context of the passage. And so we'll, we'll start here. Oh, let's start in verse 31, shall we? So um, let's read it together. Let's do that. This is a great passage. We'll read from verse 31 just to the end of the chapter. So read it together with me now. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, that's encouraging. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. This passage is clearly telling us that no matter what happens to us, anything, right up to death, they may stormtroop the building and put us all to the sword. But you know something? The worst they can do is kill us. And what have they done? They've put us into the presence of the Lord Jesus. That Bible college president never thought that day when he got up and got ready and went to Bible college that he would be in the presence of his King, his Lord and Savior, his Master, whom he loved and looked forward to meeting. Now it might be a little bit of a gruesome way to go, but, you know... God leads his dear children along. This is actually a very encouraging passage. And from this, we also learn the truth that we who are saved are immortal. We are immortal until God calls us home. They, they can't kill us until God says, all right, now come home, my child. And at that point, then they can kill us, I suppose. The Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers there in Jerusalem, they hated Jesus. And numerous times they tried to 
apprehend him, but they couldn't because his hour was not yet come. But when the final hour came, then they took him, they crucified him. Our hour hasn't come yet. Look, we're still here. There's still work for us to do. We are immortal till God calls us home. That's kind of a cool feeling. So when you feel persecuted, when you feel cast aside by others, when you feel that they're saying things behind your back, just remember, they haven't put you to death yet. You haven't been led to the slaughter yet. And also remember God's promise for you in 2 Corinthians 4.17. I'll read it for you. For our light affliction. And really, folks, that's what we go through. Light affliction. Which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That means this. Everything you legitimately suffer for Jesus you have an incredible reward waiting for you when you get to heaven. I know many of us want the rewards now. You know, it's hard to wait. We're like children sometimes. Oh, I can't wait. Can I have it now? Can I have it now? God is saving up some incredible big blessings for you and for me. When we live for Jesus, when we get persecution of any kind, God has something really wonderful for us in heaven, waiting for us in store. And remember something else, that God sees everything. God sees everything that every evil person does to you and me. God sees it. And God has said that He will look after it. In um, Romans chapter 12, God says these words, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If someone does you dirt, they say something, they do something, they break promises, they're being nasty to you, not because you're being nasty to them, but because you're trying to live for Jesus. Maybe you tried to share the gospel with them. Maybe you offered them a gospel tract. They took that thing and cursed you and ripped that thing up and threw it down in little pieces. God sees everything. And every time that someone does something nasty to you, it doesn't escape God. He sees it, and He will repay. Folks, you just don't know the trouble that God repays to those who try to trouble you. It's a righteous thing with God to bring trouble to them that trouble you. And you, you're just not aware of it because it's not up to you to see it. But in private, behind locked doors, they're sweating bricks. They've got mental, emotional problems. They can hardly sleep at night. They may have ulcers. Things are going wrong and continue to go wrong because they're persecuting you. You remember reading in Acts chapter 12 about King Herod? He took James and killed him with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he further went and took Peter and put him in prison, intending after Easter to bring him out and kill him. But God, what God did was he sent an angel and Peter escaped. Do you remember reading this? Peter went to where the prayer meeting was, John Mark's place, 
And they were all praying, Lord, get Peter out of prison. Peter's there knocking. Sorry, Lord. Sorry for that interruption. Someone's knocking at the door. Forget them. Lord, get Peter out of prison. That's my uh, take on it. Anyhow, it's a comical thing, but the Lord did this. And then Herod blew a fuse when he found Peter was missing and he put the guards to death. And then he went to a nearby city and then he dressed in regal robes and made this oration, this speech. And the people said, oh, it's the voice of a god. I mean, they were really trying to lick his boots. It's the voice of a god. And because Herod did not give God the glory, God struck him and he died of worms. Now, I'm not sure what all that involves, but it sure sounds creepy. God saw everything that that miserable King Herod was doing, and God paid him back. And Herod went to hell and is still there for 2,000 years, lifting up his eyes, being in torments. God is the settler of the accounts. So we don't have to worry. God says he will repay. Now, our job, what is our job when people are hard on us and are saying nasty things to, about us and to us? What's our job? Our job is to pray for their salvation and pray that God bless them also. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 44, you know, to pray for them that, that persecute you, right? And he doesn't mean we'll pray that God zaps them. That's not what he means. He means we're to pray for God to bless them and that they would come to salvation. And then God tells us in Romans 12, verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So do good to overcome that evil. Because if you do evil to overcome their evil, it'll eat you up. It won't work. It's just going to boomerang back on you. And the bitterness that they're experiencing, you'll experience. And it's like a cancer. Our Heavenly Father will watch over us and bless us when we do these things. And uh, once again, just remember, if we ever do get led as sheep to the slaughter, that's not so bad because we're going to see Jesus. But what's going to happen to those people who pull the trigger on us? That is scary. So truly, though we be God's sheep, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So like sheep to the slaughter ought to encourage us our affliction hasn't gotten to that level yet. We just have a light affliction. But if it ever did get to that level, that's still okay because we're still more than conquerors. Well, let's pray now. Dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you for being so kind and good to us. Thank you, Lord, that you know all of the events of tomorrow. There's nothing that doesn't, that, that surprises you. There's, there's nothing that you don't know. Thank you that you lead us along. Help us to be good sheep. Help us to be willingly led along. Father, I pray that none of us would, would run from the shepherd's side and stray. Help us always to stay close to Jesus. Thank you for the teaching in Romans 8 about the sheep to the slaughter. The day may come. It does happen around the world, Lord, we know, and different places, China and Russia, North Korea, many other countries, India, where Bible-believing Christians are not welcome. 
and they're persecuted. It may happen here in Canada, but Canada still needs Christ. Help us to live for Jesus, and we'll give you the thanks and praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.